Everything is real. I'm Natalie D. I'm Drew Toothpaste. And today we are talking about how the Battle of L.A. was a fight against UFOs, obviously. Now, the Battle of Los Angeles sounds like a science fiction movie to begin with. Right, right. Because... There was no battle that involved two human sides in Los Angeles. Right. There was no attack coming from the other side. It was just Los Angeles battling question mark. Question mark is the most wily of all the foes. (laughs) Right. Right. And so this one is very funny because we're talking about something that happened when, Natalie? 1942. So this was the height of World War II. So December 1941, Pearl Harbor, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So we're in the war now, 1941, February 1942. Right, not very long later. The military has something ping on their radar, and they think that the Japanese are coming straight for Los Angeles. Right, they see the stuff on the radar, and they're like, oh, here it comes. Now the shit is really starting. And they started blowing those civil defense sirens all over Los Angeles. And now... If you're not a geography head, I'm a huge map head. You got to understand Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. This is essentially more or less halfway between the U.S. and Japan. Right. Right. So sure, people come out to to the furthest, the furthest west point of the United States and they do a little thing. It was a huge attack. A lot of people died. It wasn't not horrible. They did wage war. On the United States by doing this. Take off. But then the idea that now they're going to come to the U.S. mainland, that's crazy. Right. But they had been warned. Like, the military had been warned. They're like, you know, Japan just did this thing in Hawaii. You guys need to watch out because we could start getting attacks on the mainland at any time. And you need to protect the country. And so people were really antsy about it. They were amped up, then they fucking catch something on the radar. Right. And it's at 2 o'clock in the morning. What day is this? February 25th of 1942. So it's 2 in the morning. Right. And so they have the sirens going, and they're like, okay, we have to do a blackout. Everyone needs to turn your power out. Everything in Los Angeles went black. And the military started trying to attack whatever it was that was coming straight for them. Now, they have had, prior to this... In Los Angeles, they had had, I don't know if they were drills or I don't know if they were tips or what, but they had done blackouts before in the area because after Pearl Harbor hit, it's like, well, shit, you're on the West Coast pointed toward Japan, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, people turned their lights off and they had done blackouts and stuff like that before. And so this was nothing new. But so they see something on the radar, and it's flying. Mm -hmm. Before they thought, well, maybe they're submarines, whatever, it's flying. They get all of these spotlights, and they start spotlighting the sky, trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. And nobody knows exactly what happened, but basically everybody started firing. Right, so all the spotlights trained on something. There was something in the sky, and people saw it, and then they just started blasting at it. And they blasted and blasted. They ended up firing over 1,400 anti-aircraft rounds at whatever it was that was in the sky. And they're not just shooting into the air with a pistol. An anti-aircraft gun is like one of those mounted suckers. It's like on a pole with a swivel. Mm-hmm. And it's like belt-fed, right? Mm-hmm. And so these are huge bullets that they're shooting up into the air at what they think is maybe some Japanese airplanes. Right. And they're like causing damage to the area around them. They're breaking windows. There is shrapnel coming off these rounds that is damaging things around them. It was a big deal. It was not, you know what I'm saying? It was, (laughs) this is noteworthy because almost always, just to rewind, almost always when you see UFOs, what happens is everybody's like, wow, what is that? And then it's a UFO and the UFO lands. Maybe some guys come out. Maybe it flies around. Maybe it's just shiny or luminous and it flies off. Mm -hmm. This entered some kind of military area. Everybody's on high alert. And they just fucking start blasting. Right. And they just blast and blast. And people could tell it was hitting it. But nothing happened when you would hit it. It would just accept that it was shot and just continue on doing its own thing like nothing happened. Which reminds me of our friends in Hopkinsville. 
you could not blast those little suckers. You could shoot them as much as you want at close range. Ping, 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 and they, just, they didn't give a fuck. Now, I think whatever this was that was flying, and obviously we're going to talk more about this, whatever this was that was flying, nobody knows exactly what it was and what it was made of. One of the crazy things about this case is that it happened so long ago that you're talking about, okay, they have spotlights, but these are not like laser beams. They're bright. It's dark outside. It's bright. But, you know, you're working with 1940s technology. Right, right. I'm sure that their guns were good, too, because I don't want to brag, we did win World War II. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Some say we cheated. <laughs> So during the incident, there were people in cars all over the place losing their minds and crashing in panic. There were three people who died in traffic accidents. Three people died from heart attacks because of the stress of all the shit going on outside. So there were casualties in this event, like Tanya. <laughs> <laughs> and then once the gunfire stopped, they rounded up a bunch of Japanese people, tried to blame it on them. Well, what the police or the military police or whatever said is they went through all this. Okay, so there's this object or objects in accounts of this very, okay? The shit flies in from the ocean toward L.A., LA's on the coast, right? Mm -hmm. Southern California. And it flies in. They start blasting, but the whole time they're not getting bombed. Right. Whatever this craft is, it's not doing anything at all. It's not firing. It's not dropping bombs. It is not fleeing or taking evasive maneuvers necessarily. Mm -hmm. Now they saw it move around. Some people say they saw multiple objects. And this is a very interesting characteristic. And this is something that this case has in common with a lot of UFO cases, which is witnesses have differing reports because based on where you are and how you're looking at it, you may see multiple objects. You may see objects split and recombine, mm -hmm. especially if you're talking about lights in the night sky. Some people saw lights flying in formation. Right, right. And this is striking because there's basically one main picture of the battle over Los Angeles, right? Right, right. And if you ask me, the picture of the battle of Los Angeles, to me, it looks like a delta. Like, there are artifacts and stuff in the photo that suggest that it is shaped like a triangle. And the delta, again, is the classic black triangle named after the greek letter delta which is a triangle right? right right but i mean do you see that in the picture how there's like this and then you can see there's like a shadow going this way it kind of seems like it's a triangle pointed off to the side that's my interpretation of the photograph but there's also a brighter spot at the intersection of all of the spotlights where who knows what that is right and so you get the classic ufo problem which is exacerbated by it being nighttime, which is how do you take a goddamn picture of something far away? It's impossible to focus on. Maybe it is shining or it is luminescent mm -hmm. or it is reflective. And so this is going to make it even harder for you to photograph it. Now it's the dead of night. There are no lights on the ground, like houses, businesses, whatever. Everybody's lights are out. All you have are these spotlights, and they're illuminating some object. It is impossible to expose film accurately. Right. I say the word impossible. I'm just saying if there's people fucking blasting all around, and there's a spotlight shining, and there's some weird object in the sky, you have to have the wherewithal to go find your camera. You've got to figure out how to set the exposure, mm -hmm. how to set all this shit on your camera. And then you're taking this photo on whatever film you've got already in your camera in 1942. Right. Now, there was a picture printed in the Los Angeles Times, and it was similar to the picture we saw. Except it was lower fidelity because right. it yeah. was printed in the newspaper. Exactly, exactly. But this event got press coverage it was obviously an issue because it was in such a populous city and it affected so many people right yeah and if you if you want to read the original article it's in the los angeles times on february 26th 1942 and the headline is searchlights 
and anti-aircraft guns comb sky during alarm. Mm -hmm. So why do people believe that this might have been a UFO as opposed to being a weather balloon? <laughs> an airplane or a blimp, right? So the obvious, yeah, the obvious explanation is that it was an aircraft piloted by humans. Right. That's the easiest explanation. Right. Because a weather balloon does not travel horizontally. That's correct. Here's the question that comes to my head. If it was a blimp, uh, some kind of aircraft from Japan or some other country, or maybe even a rich guy who's just flying around for the fuck of it. Mm -hmm. If it was an adversary, don't you think after coming thousands of miles to the coast of the United States, they would have done something? <laughs> Especially when they're getting shot at like that? You don't think the Japanese would have returned fire at the very least? Or been shot out of the sky by 1,400 anti-aircraft rounds? And the thing to keep in mind is that, okay, they had searchlights. They were signing their searchlights on this object, right? There's no data as to how high this thing was flying that I was able to find. Mm -hmm. However, you're talking about incandescent technology right. of the 1940s. Maybe you've got a metal halide light. Maybe you've got some kind of sodium lamp, something like this. And sure, you can focus and reflect it like a lighthouse beam. You can get shit pretty bright with old technology, right? But that thing was not flying very high. If you are a Japanese bomber, okay, and you flew from Japan to L.A. and you're flying in low, you're going to bomb the shit out of Santa Monica. Mm -hmm. You're going to bomb the shit out of the city. Right. You're going to, whatever the military areas that were there during World War II, you're there to tear their shit up. Right, exactly. And nothing happened. And right. this is something else. This is another characteristic of this that I found interesting is that some people described it as hovering. Mm-hmm. And going very slow, which, you know, that sounds like a blimp, but blimps would really get fucked up by an anti-aircraft round. <laughs> They really need to stay being balloons. Yeah, blimps are not known for withstanding heavy damage. No, they are not. Even one of those 1,400 had hit it. It would have been the end of that. It would have, at the very least, it would have descended really fast and people would be like, oh, that's a blimp. Or, you know, if it hit it one time and caused damage, they would have radioed to the closest airstrip and been like... I'm just out here with my blimp. Why don't you get these guys to leave me alone? Right? Please do not shoot me 1,400 times. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> there would have been some communication. That's the thing with air travel is that if you're up in the sky in an airplane, you're in contact with someone who's on the ground in some way. If it was someone who was an American, they would have been in contact with somebody on the ground. They would have had radio contact and been like, hey, I'm flying over Los Angeles and these guys are fucking shooting at me. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And if it was a Japanese, they would have bombed something. They would have shot something. They would have at least tried to defend themselves from the barrage. And so obviously it was not a human adversary because if if you're Japan in World War Two, hey, I wasn't there. So I'm just imagining. <laughs> right, right. And you're going to do a bombing run on the United States, you'd probably bring more than one plane. Mm -hmm. So... This would have been constant. You would have had a fleet. You would have had a squadron flying in formation, maybe, coming over and just laying waste to Los Angeles, right? Mm -hmm. In retrospect, if they could have done that, maybe they would have done that. <laughs> so, uh, but I mean, we didn't know what their capabilities were at the time, right? Mm -hmm. Just to put a point on that, after the war was over, okay, everybody signed the paperwork, right? Mm-hmm. They all met and did their little agreements and everything. Someone from the U.S. asked Japan on official business, like no crossed fingers, no take backsies. They were like, hey, we're now allies slash we sort of control you. We nuked you until we were friends. <laughs> now we're friends. The, the classic way of making friends. In fact. Right, right. And they said, okay, so it's 1945, okay, we signed all the paperwork, everything's settled, now you have to tell us, what the fuck were you doing in Los Angeles? And they were like, we were not in Los Angeles in 1942. Mm -hmm. We weren't there. 
you can look at our records. They turned over the records. There was nothing. Right. So just because it's not on paper doesn't rule out something, but I don't know of any 1940s era Japanese planes that can hover and then instantaneously accelerate. And then vanish. And then vanish. That's a key point. (laughs) So... Eyewitnesses reported seeing craft in the air. There were people on the ground who saw what was going on. Like, obviously, all the people in Los Angeles were like, looky-loos. Right? Oh, they were standing. All their shit was turned off inside, so they're outside watching, of Right, course. exactly. The people said they saw crafts in the air. Some people said there was one. Some said there was a few of them. Some said that there were tens of them. People said that they were in formation. Some people said they were all over the place, right? It was just like people had different views of what happened to people on the ground. And everybody is looking at this with their naked eye. And everybody is... In the dark. Yeah, in the complete dark. Right. (laughs) It's pretty terrifying, honestly. Like, the Battle of L.A. story is, like, very scary to me. Because I can imagine being in the middle of it and how terrifying that would be. And also how incredibly disorienting it would be to get to the end of it. And after all of that, it wasn't anything. There's something very, like, unnerving to me about the story. So something happened. Something clearly happened, right? So what was the official conclusion? What did they eventually tell people? Okay, so the Secretary of the Navy at the time, who is a guy named Frank Knox, had a press conference on the day that it happened. So it happened at 2 in the morning, and so I assume this was like noon the next day. And he said that it was a false alarm that there were no aircraft involved and that the troops were all just firing into the air because they were antsy. They had war nerves, right? (laughs) And they were just shooting all over the place. (laughs) Troops were just antsy and started blasting. Right, they were just bored. There was a memo called the Marshall Roosevelt Memo that was issued on March 5th, 1942. So this was like a week later. And it was never released to the public, but it claimed that there were two unidentified vehicles that were recovered after the Battle of L.A. And the memo also stated, This headquarters has come to a determination that the mystery airplanes are in fact not earthly, and according to secret intelligence sources, they are in all probability of interplanetary origins. That is really explicit. Right. It is really rare to see that kind of definitive writing committed to paper in fact this is pre-roswell this is before like the big cover-up machine started gassing up right roswell happened in 1947 so this is five years prior Mm -hmm. and if you'll recall when roswell happened the local media just dutifully reported on it and said flying saucer scene one flying saucer crashed right right Well, there's a story about the UFO from the 1800s where it crashed and people were talking about it very matter-of-factly. Like, we got a visitor from outer space. He crashed when he was here and then we had to bury him and we buried him in the cemetery. Like, that's fucking bananas to me. Like, before there was a big cover-up thing, people would talk about this kind of stuff very, like, plain as day. (laughs) And so there's an obvious parallel with the Battle of L.A. And there is something that happened in the 16th century in Germany. Oh, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. The Battle over Nuremberg. Mm -hmm. That was dope, too. And so if you look up the Battle over Nuremberg, what you have is it looks like an illuminated manuscript. Right. It is done very precisely. It looks like a monk job, right? Right. It's like written in Fracture or some other medieval hand. Black letter. It looks like, you know, either a very old Bible or a death metal album. And it very clearly is like, you know, there's translations of the accounts of this. And keep in mind, this was in the 1500s. And they said, look, there was all this shit happening. And there was, uh, there were objects in the sky as bright as the sun. There was shit shining and everybody saw it. Mm -hmm. All these people at the time saw it and they wrote official accounts of it and everything. So this is something that has happened. And they called it the battle because this stuff was just flying around. They didn't have any concept of an aerial battle. Right. Because it wasn't until, I think, World War One when we started having, like, fighter plane duels, like Snoopy shit, right? Right, right. And so they saw this, and this is part of something that people viewed. And no, there's no telling what it was. And no, there's no photographs of it for some reason. <laughs> the art for the Battle of Nuremberg is 
Very dope, though. (laughs) I'm sure that this was named the battle over L.A. to kind of poke fun at the soldiers because, like you said, the official version of what happened that was told to the public said nothing happened, you know, any damage that occurred was just because we were firing bullets and we saw something on the radar and we're just keeping the people safe. Mm -hmm. And, And it seemed totally reasonable. But then they possibly released that memo being like, yeah, um, we actually have two mystery airplanes. Right. And the memo went on to say that there were at least 15 of them involved in the incident. It was just two of them that were shot down. And so if you are in the 40s and you don't have any sort of cultural precedent for the idea of UFOs, then you might call them an airplane. Right. If it's traveling through the air, it's a, some form of fucking airplane, Interplanetary right? airplane. the air raid warden in santa monica was sleeping as you would expect when she was woken up by the phone call and said and they said to let her rip right but she went on record because she said that she saw the craft Uh uh-huh and this is her statement she gave she said it was huge it was just enormous it was practically right over my house I had never seen anything like it in my life. It was just hovering there in the sky and hardly moving at all. It was a lovely pale orange and about the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. I could see it perfectly because it was very close. It was so big. They sent fighter planes up and I watched them in groups approach it and then turn away. They were shooting at it, but it didn't seem to matter. It was like the 4th of July, but much louder. They were firing like crazy, but they couldn't touch it. I'll never forget what a magnificent sight it was. Just marvelous. And what a gorgeous color. That's really interesting because most people who have had UFO experiences don't say that there was a color involved. Mm -hmm. It's always a white light or a shimmering light or maybe even a light that they couldn't tell what color it was. Mm -hmm. But she mentioned something that not a lot of other people mentioned, which is that they had pilots go up and try to intercept it which makes sense right and they just would turn away like they couldn't do anything about it they weren't just shooting from the ground i'm sure that they were also trying to hit it from up in the sky also now you remember in the westall ufo case this happened right near an airport in australia Mm -hmm. where this craft landed and they had five or six pilots get up and fly around to take a closer look at it. Right, right. They got up in the sky and flew around to look at it. Now, if we're talking about the Navy, Air Force, whatever, then they're flying around trying to look at this motherfucker, right? Mm-hmm. I find it really interesting that the first person to have really scrambled people and, you know, gotten out and cranked up the siren and told everybody to turn their lights out was in Santa Monica. So this is actually where this craft or this squadron or formation of crafts approached the coast. Right. So Santa Monica, again, is on the coast, and it came from the west. They came eastward towards Santa Monica. And then the path that they described is they followed the coastline southeast until about Long Beach, and then they sort of went south back into the ocean, and then their path... Their path went who knows where. They couldn't find where they went. Well, you know, when I was researching this earlier today, the path of this craft or crafts was described and I was like, you know what this sounds like to me? This sounds like it's near Catalina Island. And I pulled it up on a map and that shit's right next to fucking Catalina Island, which is where all the Tic Tac shit was going on, which the government says was absolutely UFOs and absolutely real. So this is where this ties into the entire UFO phenomenon to begin with. Usually, the story kind of starts with Roswell, because it was only then that the government started what most people would describe as a suppression program to make sure that news about UFOs didn't get out, that any time somebody saw something, it was sort of supplanted with an official story that it was swamp gas, mm-hmm. that it was a weather balloon. And in this case, they just said, uh, I don't know, it was nothing. Right, right. And so what it makes me wonder is, if we know that there are probably aliens in the ocean around there, Probably aliens in the ocean everywhere, and probably also in the Great Lakes, but I digress. If what is going on is that there are aliens, perhaps the Battle of Los Angeles is when they got here. 
And we were like, oh, shit. And we all panicked and we tried to attack him and do something about him. And then the military quickly realized that we could not defend ourselves against them. And they were not going to defend themselves against us. So we're just going to ignore them. (laughs) So first of all, I think it is important to point out, as you just did, that basically we tried shooting aliens and it didn't work. And we've never tried again. We've never tried to fucking shoot aliens again. I mean, it's just a waste of bullets. And I mean, they yeah, they not only wasted the bullets, they took out a bunch of people's homes. They damaged people. You know, a bunch of people wrecked their cars. It was like Orson Welles' War of the World type shit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, only real. <laughs> yeah. Only, <laughs> it definitely fucking happened. They definitely fucking blasted. What year was War of the World? Off the dome, it was, I think it was in the 30s sometime. So they didn't really have their machinery up and running, like you said. And so they did what... A teenager does when you ask them what they're doing and they just said nothing <laughs> nothing nothing to see here don't worry about it nothing <laughs> <laughs> and so by the time roswell came along they had a weather balloon handy and that's what they handed the major in that case told him to take the pictures for the newspaper some pictures of something being illuminated with luminous orbs in the sky made it out to the media unfortunately because they didn't have everything figured out yet right right So what evidence do we have that this is true? The main one that I think is so compelling is the photograph. The photograph, to me, is like a cultural artifact. It is just an image where if you see it once, you will just think about it all the time. There's something so weird about it, and there's something so unnerving about it that it is like chilling to me a little bit. You know, if you see some UFO shit today, it's not scary in the same way because... We have all this modern context for it. We can talk with each other, and this disclosure process, however slow it's happening, is is at least starting, right? Right. And so we have official confirmations that there's probably some shit here from aliens. This started when? 2017, the Navy finally said, yeah, there's probably alien craft here, and we don't know where it came from, and it might be other dimensions, and it might be the ocean, it might be both. Right. So given that, It is still a deep mystery, but not knowing anything about it and not even comprehending that such a thing could happen and then being like, great, we're at fucking war with Germany and Japan. Like, these are two of the worst countries to go to war with. Right. (laughs) And then fucking aliens show up. Right, right. Like, that just would have been, it would have been overwhelming. No wonder people had heart attacks. That shit's scary as hell. Right. Well, that photo is, like, cinematic, though. It's not like a picture of a little UFO or it's like an empty sky and a little silver dot or whatever. It is It is cinematic. It is just this cluster of whatever is going on up there and all of these searchlights trained on it. It is like us versus them. It is like the picture of it. It is absolutely, once you see the photo, it is iconic in the same way as our Bud Dwyer reaching into his lunch bag. Right. It's just, yeah, it's just like one of those pictures where you're like, I saw it, man. I'm going to think about it forever now. So there were those photos like I was just talking about. There were eyewitnesses who described seeing luminous craft, orbs, balls of light, and, you know, that's neither here nor there. You never really know what that kind of stuff. There was a book called The Army Air Forces in World War II, Volume 1, and the event was described in this book as well. And in the book they said, Probably much of the confusion came from the fact that anti-aircraft shell bursts caught by the searchlights were themselves mistaken for enemy planes. In any case, the next three hours produced some of the most imaginative reporting of the war. Swarms of planes, or sometimes balloons of all possible sizes, numbering from one to several hundred, traveling at altitudes which range from a few thousand feet to more than 20,000, and flying at speeds which were said to have varied from very slow to over 200 miles per hour, were observed to parade across the skies. These mysterious forces dropped no bombs, and despite the fact that 1,440 rounds of anti-aircraft ammunition were directed against them, suffered no losses. It sounds to me like the author of that book was trying to describe this event in a way that ridiculed it. And he said, well, 
Is it one object or is it dozens of them? Was it going slow or was it going fast? Was it a few thousand feet or was it 20,000 feet off the ground? But what they have unwittingly done is described some of the observable characteristics of what we now call unknown aerial phenomena. Right, right. Objects that seem to hover and instantaneously accelerate They can move very slow. They can move one mile an hour. They can move 20,000 miles an hour. Objects that can get very close to the ground, Mm -hmm. sometimes even landing on the ground, leaving burn marks. Mm -hmm. And shooting back up. Shooting straight back up with apparently no concern for the whiplash of the aliens inside. Right, and they will form into one unit and they will break apart into separate craft and then reform again. Whatever they're doing defies what we think of as, quote unquote, the laws of physics. Like you expect a plane traveling through the sky to keep going straight, right? Right, right. And so this author is ridiculing the eyewitness reports, but what is really happening in doing so is that the author is reinforcing that this is something extra dimensional or extraterrestrial Mm -hmm. because Still, in 2023, we don't have anything that can do that. Right, right. And yes, they shot it a bunch and nothing happened to it. Doesn't that maybe clue you into the fact that something insane just happened? (laughs) Yeah, you would think. But, I mean, these people also, like you mentioned before, they did not really even conceptualize the idea of UFOs back then. That wasn't something that people talked about. It wasn't part of the cultural consciousness as much as it is now. And one thing I'm wondering is, this is so close to Catalina Island. This is where they had the the missions where they saw the Tic Tacs, 2004, Mm -hmm. right? And the thing churning in the ocean and bubbling underneath the surface of the ocean. They saw craft entering and leaving the ocean, boiling, bubbling the surface of the water as if it's super hot or it's creating some kind of force. It's agitated. There are geomagnetic anomalies around Catalina Island that extend all the way down, you know, off the coast of California, all the way down into Mexico. I think that's Guadalupe is down there where they've also seen UFO activity. There's all kinds of shit happening there. I think it's entirely possible that, like you said, maybe they just set up their base and they were going looking to see what happened. Mm -hmm. And they got shot at a bunch and they're like, well, Jesus Christ. Right, right. (laughs) You guys. (laughs) Or maybe they had been doing silent patrols of the area for a long time. And then once Pearl Harbor started. Uh Uh-huh. Suddenly the U.S. started watching the sky more and telling people to start shooting. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would also say that probably, even in the 1940s, I mean, L.A. is light polluted as shit now, obviously. Mm -hmm. But even in the 40s, there was enough activity there to where you were going to have light pollution. You're not going to look up at the stars because you ain't going to see very much, Right, right? Right, I mean, we don't see shit around here, even when it's clear. Right, we never see anything around here. And so I think it's entirely possible that people were just not looking at the sky. Whether... You're talking about civilians or the military Mm -hmm, or whoever. mm -hmm. And so it's possible, you know, if something can go 200 miles an hour, it's possible something could have flown through the damn city and it was gone before anybody even saw it. Right, right, exactly. So what evidence do we have that this is not true? I wanted to make sure we had time to discuss this because this is always like a thorn in my side, like these excuses for what is going going on, right? Yeah, yeah. What evidence do we have that this is not true? The official story of the U.S. Navy is that any objects that were in the sky that day over L.A. were weather balloons. If there were any objects. If there was anything there, it was a weather balloon. There was nothing there, but if there was something there, it was a weather balloon. That is a really interesting answer. Because anytime you ask somebody a direct question, okay, where'd you go this afternoon? Well, it was nowhere important at all, but if I did go somewhere, it wasn't the ice cream store. (laughs) Now, that's not the answer (laughs) that inspires confidence. Right, exactly, exactly. The thing with the story about the weather balloons, if you are going to station people in your home country and train them to use weapons of war to defend your country, don't you think you would take the time to teach them the difference between an aircraft 
and a weather balloon. Do you think that they really would have shot 1,400 rounds of anti-aircraft rounds at a balloon? If they were doing that, don't you think one of those rounds would have hit the balloon and ended the whole operation and made them feel like a bunch of idiots? They'd be like, we found a pop balloon. (laughs) Right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I've seen a weather balloon before, and that never made me think it was a UFO. I have never seen a weather balloon, but one of the things that strikes me about weather balloons, are they blown around by the wind? Absolutely. Is a weather balloon going to be blown 200 miles an hour horizontally by the wind? That seems Slowly? Just... It seems less <laughs> likely to me. Right, right, exactly. There is an, another explanation from a Los Angeles reporter who interviewed one of the troops who were firing at the craft that night. And the soldier claimed that there was another man in his unit who was filling balloons with hydrogen and attaching wires to them before letting them go. Again, some balloons with some wires attached to them does not sound like what these people were describing. (laughs) First of all, if you have a balloon, if you have a rubber balloon or a latex balloon and you fill it with hydrogen, it will rise. Does the military have access to hydrogen? Probably somewhere. I don't know what they're using it for. They probably have it. Why would they attach metal wires to it? I couldn't tell you. All I know is I used to work at a place, and one of the things the guys used to do for fun is that they had, this was at a chemical plant, and they had a process that generated, I believe it was hydrogen, and they would fill trash bags these were not the glad force flex. These were not fancy boys. These were the old crummy, crinkly trash bags. Because this was happening in like the 70s or 80s. It was before I started working there. And what they would do is on the third shift, they would fill them up with hydrogen and they would get a $1 flashlight, like with the old D-cell batteries. They tape it to the bottom of the bag to tape the bag shut, turn on the flashlight, and it would illuminate the inside of the bag. And they would let it go, and it would float up over Cincinnati, Ohio. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many times they did this. They were told at some point not to do it anymore. Right, right. But... That guy also was not traveling horizontally for 200 miles either, though. No, what happened is that it flew up to a certain point and it lost pressure, and then the flashlight and the trash bag fell in the Mill Creek. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Mill Creek, by the way, in Cincinnati, just to paint you a picture, got so polluted by a, uh, a local company that you could no longer get water from the Mill Creek. It was like an aquifer. It was a source of water for northern Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Uh, Up until the 1970s when a company that I think was called something like Splendid, uh, they were manufacturing paint and like lacquers and stuff like that. And when they disposed of their waste, they had something called the hole. It was a hole. (laughs) Yeah. And they poured all their stuff in the hole. And they were about, you know, a few hundred feet from the Mill Creek. And somehow all that poison got into the creek. (laughs) Could you imagine? So it's all poison and about 30% garbage bags. (laughs) <laughs> about three percent flashlights yeah just a little just a touch of flashlights just a pinch <laughs> but so the story was not that the national guard began shooting the hydrogen trash bags right now i know people were on edge there was a world war although this one was better because you know i hate to say war is good war is never good but when they started they're like this is world war ii and it's like okay no alarm bells go off. Mm-hmm. You know, early 20th century, World War One hits and everybody says, wait, one? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> one of the explanations they have for why this is not real is that the photos taken of the event are blurry and no details can be made out from them. But the same could be said about your mother. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the pictures aren't good enough for you. You know, when there's a fucking giant picture that was perfect, like absolutely crystal clear, perfect, perfect picture, high res, you'd be like, that's from a movie. That's just a special effect. If it looks really good and clear, then it's a 3D rendering. It's CGI. If it's blurry, then it's just a fake. That's just a blurry picture of an airplane, idiot. You know, one of my favorite things, now, if you spend any time online which i would dissuade you against 
But if you were to do so and you went into alien communities, you would find people who seemingly spend all day in there. And every single time there's a picture of an unknown object, somebody will come in and say, that's a Mylar balloon. (laughs) Yeah. I want to know how many Mylar balloons make it up several hundred feet into the atmosphere. Right. And just dart all over the place. You know, whoever's making, you know, the rubber weather balloons in the 40s and the Mylar balloons of the 2020s that can travel hundreds or thousands of miles an hour. I want to know what tech they have. What I want to know about the Mylar balloons that people seem to see everywhere is that how far away do they think a little old Mylar balloon can get before you can't see it from Earth anymore? Do they realize how large something has to be in order for them to be able to see it from down here? Now, that's why the story about the guys with the little birthday balloons and the metal wires didn't hit for me. Because everybody has an an experience, I would hope, as a child of being somewhere. And if you didn't let the balloon go, you saw somebody else let a balloon go. And you watch a balloon go up, up, and it's gone. You can't see the balloon. Mm -hmm. At a certain point, you can't see the balloon, not even if it has a ribbon tied to it. It's just gone. Right. It doesn't take that long. It really I've I've had a child who would have dropped a balloon outside and I know how rapidly it is gone. It is disappeared. <laughs> you have about one one hundredth of a second to try to pull that sucker back down to earth, and if you miss your window, you have about ninety seconds of just looking straight up before it disappears. Mm-hmm. That's why the little birthday balloon story doesn't hit for me. If we're talking 300, 1,000 feet over Los Angeles, you could not see a single foot-wide balloon. You just couldn't. Right. What was the maximum height they said on that thing? 20,000 feet up in the air. You're going to tell me that you guys were shooting at a little balloon 20,000 feet in the air and you could see it from where you were? Anyway, it's it's funny that the photo thing sticks in the craw of everybody. And while I appreciate, you know, the studied refrain of Pixar, it didn't happen. It is so hard to take pictures of anything in the sky. And I just think it's worth reiterating. Anytime you go outside, you're on a walk, right? It's the golden hour. It's May. It's June. It's beautiful. It's the golden hour. The sun is setting or the The moon is becoming visible and you see it low on the horizon and it looks enormous. You would swear it's the largest you've ever seen the sun. Maybe you nervously text somebody, hey, is the sun coming? (laughs) Maybe you say, hey, what's the deal with the moon? It's really huge right now, right? Right. You take a picture of it on your phone and it looks like nothing. Mm -hmm. You can see it. I wear glasses. I have astigmatism. I don't have great vision, okay? And you can see the moon. You can see the features in the moon. And yes, sometimes it looks fucking gigantic. And you take a picture of it, and you're like, this time, okay, I have walked over. I've got it so there's houses under the moon. This time, it's going to be apparent how big the moon is. Mm -hmm. You take the picture. It still looks like shit. Could you take a photo of a Mylar balloon in the sky? Have you ever tried taking a picture of an airplane or a helicopter? (laughs) (laughs) I have, and it is impossible for the phone to capture that. I'm not even going to go paranoid mode and say they do it on purpose. I just think the phone can't do it. Right. It's too much sky. It's too big. It's too big for it to go and do a little focus on it. It's just too hard. The field of vision is different. The ability to focus is very hard. And... We're talking 2023, everybody has, like, the most advanced cameras in the world on their fucking telephones. And so we can take pictures of each other where we can, like, see individual pores in our faces. And those phones can't take pictures of the moon or an airplane. Exactly. The picture thing sticks in my craw. I really hate the skeptics who are like, it's CGI. Have you fucking ever tried to do CGI? Have you ever tried to do CGI? Do you know like how hard it is to do that kind of stuff? How time consuming it is for you to say that every single UFO video is CGI? Anyway, we'll talk about this stuff more as this podcast progresses. But right now it is time for us to score this motherfucker. The Battle of LA, 1 to 10. How believable, how true. Well, I'm going to do what we always do, Natalie. And before I give you my score, hop on into the Discord 
patreon.com slash garbagebrainuniversity. If you're already a paying patron and you're not in there and you'd like to, hey, email me. It's easy. Reply to the email you get. Or you can find my email address or whatever. I'm very easy to get a hold of. Let us know what is your rating, 1 to 10. It's okay if you don't like it. It's okay if you like it a lot. But it's always fun to share. My personal rating on the Battle of L.A., I'm going to give this a 7. I think that so many people saw shit in the sky. Something maybe showed up on military radar. That's a question mark. We don't have any data, obviously, because it was military data during a war. And nobody captured us and made us hand over the files. We won. Mm -hmm. So nobody has our data. That's locked up, baby. Right, right. But the proximity of this shit to Catalina Island, where... Pilots have been seeing this stuff. Pilots out on training runs have been seeing this stuff since before anybody even knew. There were people flying there in the 90s and saying that people from decades previous had just seen shit all the time and it wasn't even unusual to them. Right. So there's all kinds of activity in this area. Nothing that we know of, whatever came in and was flying around, didn't do anything to anybody. And this is something that you know, UFOs just don't do shit. Mm-hmm. And the flight it took, it was like down the coast and back to Catalina Island. <laughs> right, right. Just it doing was, a patrol. And I think it's eminently believable what you brought up, which is maybe it had done this, you know, the beings, maybe the intelligence. I think it's possible that there's some kind of hive mind or you know, non-centralized intelligence that's controlling this shit in our three dimensions even, right? I think it's possible that they had been doing this for years, decades, centuries. It's possible that they watched people turn Los Angeles from an empty beach into a bustling metropolis. And they were just excited to see what was happening next. And they got fucking Danny DeVitoed. Right. The only things that take this away from being fully believable to me are the lack of witnesses who were recorded. There were a few people here and there, but it is really hard to turn up official accounts. And you would understand why, because the paper ran the story the next day, and then the military put the kibosh on it. The military's like, yo, we found nothing, move on. Right. And also, there was so much other news that people were worried about at the time. This is like, like we were saying, like the height of World War II for America. And the priority of the military and the news that day would be to say, hey, we were not attacked by the Japanese. Relax, nothing happened. You know, our brave soldiers defended us just in case anything was happening, right? Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, regardless of of weird shit happening, it was kind of like an all right story that nothing happened and the mainland wasn't getting attacked, et cetera, et cetera. Right, right. They had five years after this to work up the story. Mm -hmm. When that craft crashed in Roswell, they had them ready. The next day, there was no more flying saucer stories. That story went out to the national press Not with the first story that was run, but with the second story, which was the major holding a fragment of mylar saying it was just a balloon. Mm -hmm. That's right. So this gave them a head start to get their story right. I'm going to go seven out of ten because, you know, I love the picture. There's so much UFO shit that happened in this area. And there were eyewitnesses that described characteristics that line up with UFOs we're seeing now. Right, right. I would give this an 8. You know, a, not a 10 for me because, you know, I like to leave room for it not to be true. I'm going to say 8. I don't want to be the same as you. I don't want to give it a 7 and be like you. But I think it's more real than a 6. So I'm going to give it an 8. <laughs> to me, there are holes in the story where it leaves you, like, a little space to question what was going on. But... The fact that it is so close to Catalina Island, where all of this stuff has been happening recently, where the government is like, yeah, it's definitely UFOs, guys, watch out. And when you think about things like the Battle of Nuremberg, these things have happened before. This isn't the first time it's happened. Yeah. So to me, it's like, how many times do you need to have this kind of stuff happen before you accept what it is? I am not pro-military, but I do not believe that the U.S. military would be posted up in Los Angeles, one of the largest cities in this country, and have 
infantry guys just fucking blasting everywhere if they weren't really fucking sure that they had something they should have. Yeah, yeah. The way that that stuff goes is not like, just, you know, just keep shooting for hours. It's fine. Just shoot and shoot, right? Has anything like this ever happened in an American city aside from here? I, I mean, I've never heard any stories about it, about that, where the military was just blasting through everything. And they had to know that if they were all shooting, that that would have damaged stuff on the ground. Right? right, right. And so these guys had to have had some intelligence that there was something absolutely in the sky. They had to have seen something to be shooting at it. Like, maybe that's just me having too much faith in people, but I would really hope that soldiers would not be trained to just, like, blast into the air without seeing anything in front of them. And like, that is not very good gun hygiene, right? <laughs> No, and we've all heard the stories about the lunatic soldiers, the single lunatic soldiers. Mm -hmm. Right. Regiments of lunatic soldiers just blasting everywhere. I don't think that that's likely, especially like back when America still had a little little shine on it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like these were like America's boys who were out there to try to save their country and they were like really trying to protect their country from attack and this and that. Like they were trying to do a good job. Absolutely. So, yeah, I'm going to give him an eight. I think it's compelling. I think it's a compelling story. And it's one where I'm like, I wish, like like you said, I wish there was more eyewitness reports of it. But the eyewitness reports that we do get are good enough for me. I'm fine with it. Is it an apple? Is it a long apple? Does it matter? Tune in next time. <laughs> well, if you were going to tune in next time, Natalie. Yeah. Where would you tune in from? Uh, Harlem Township. You know, it's a flat place. There's not a lot blocking the signal. You could get on your dial and twist that sucker until the fuzz goes away and you're picking up nothing but podcasts. Right. Straight podcasts on your radio receptor. Harlem Township, a beautiful, peaceful place to be where you can relax and listen to audio files in peace. And I'm just going to say it. Nobody has ever shot at an alien in Harlem Township. Uh, maybe. Maybe not. <laughs> you can't really say. You can't really say. Maybe they have. <laughs> Do you know who has never shot at an alien? Corey Grella. She loves aliens. You know, the number one life insurance agent in Alaska, I would expect no less out of her. Hit her up if you want a life insurance policy that works for you. Guaranteed, you will not get shot by her. Right. She is not going to shoot you because then she's going to have to pay out on your life insurance. Yeah, I, I can't... <laughs> That's the main reason she doesn't go popping off. Yeah, I can't imagine a better setup. I mean, you get the insurance and you know you're safe from her. Right, exactly, exactly. Guaranteed. <laughs> well, thanks again to Harlem Township and Corey Grella for sponsoring Garbage Brain University and Everything is Real. If you'd like to sponsor us, hit up patreon.com slash garbagebrainuniversity. That's also how you get on the Discord. Thanks again for listening. And remember, everything is real. I love you. Goodbye. Goodbye.